Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio, as we do every Monday, 1230 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time on YouTube, on Facebook, um, and Twitter, and LinkedIn. So follow us on those platforms, um, look up my name on most of those, or the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site, and it will come up. And today I'm super excited to welcome back. I love second time, third time, multiple time guests. Um, I want to welcome back Dr. Brad Brown. He is fresh out of residency and um, he started a direct primary care practice right out of residency. He's going to tell us a little bit about that story and update us on that and how him and his brother have developed some special software. So Dr. Brown, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. It means I uh, did something right last time. Right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, I love to have you on, and I I love your story. Uh, one of the one of the things I like about your story is that um, there are so many doctors that get out of school, or they're and you knew about it early. I mean, even in school, you're like uh, when you're in residency, you're like this is not going to work for me. I am not going to be able to be a doctor and have, make a career out of this in the traditional sense of, of um, having a practice. So you decided to go into direct primary care straight out of residency. So no guaranteed income, no big income from, from a big corporate clinic, no big guaranteed income from a, a, a hospital. Tell us, how did you do that? Well, that is a... Uh... I don't know if we have enough time to go through it all. <laughs> so yeah, uh, in medical school, I rotated with a DPC doc in Phoenix and he, you know, turned me on to the idea of direct primary care. Um, and I always knew I wanted to be in the primary care realm professionally and family medicine spoke to me pretty early on. Um, and then as I rotated with him a couple different times, we became friends. He's kind of a friend tour, if you will. Um, then I knew once I got, I mean, I knew that I, was, I wanted to start my own thing. I kind of have an entrepreneurial itch that I just can't scratch. And so I figured this is the best way to at least try to do that. Um, and then once I got to residency, I had a, I had a very favorable um, residency program that allowed me to explore um, uh, how to get it off the ground and how to at least lay the groundwork before I was done. And about halfway through residency, me and my big mouth, I guess we can blame it on. Uh, uh, word got out in the town that I'm in, just north of Denver, that a new doctor was coming to town. Um, I signed a lease on a space thinking, you know, it was a perfect space, wrong time, I'll just sit on it. And then word got out and people wanted to start signing up. And so I figured, oh, crap, it's more of a ask forgiveness <laughs> than permission thing with my right, right. residency. So um, I can say that now because there were definitely a couple of headaches early on. But uh, no, it's been fun. We, um, um, one other doc, she, I'm sitting in my clinic right now. She's just on the other side of the wall. Um, we are kind of going at it together and, uh, it's an, it's an absolute blast. I mean, the, I, I don't do well with, uh, authority telling me what to do, I guess. Um, if I can put that respectfully. And so I figured just kind of sticking it to the man and going out and doing it on my own was, uh, was, uh, it was going to be fun. And it, it's been an absolute blast. So we've been open for about 18 months, technically, I've been out of residency about four or four and a half months um, and just cooking along. Janet, what questions do you have for Dr. Brown? So I, 
I got to hit you on the authority thing. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. So was that, you just didn't think you could work in a big clinic setting or a hospital or how did that play out in, in your thought process? Yeah. So that's an excellent question. So for, for me personally, I struggled during residency, um, when, uh, someone in a suit and tie, male or female, uh, would, would tell us about quality metrics and patient care when clearly they had never sat across from someone in a room in a three-minute visit uh, and telling them they have cancer, you know, or right. trying to treat their diabetes when they, you know, obviously they don't have time or money and they're telling us you need to do this, this. I really struggled with that side of things as well as the other, one of the other sides of, um, treating to what insurance companies would cover. Uh, I really struggled with as well. I, I found that to be extremely detrimental to the patient's health. Um, and so removing those two pieces and allowing me to focus on what the patient needs and then being there with unrestricted access um, is extremely professionally rewarding, right? And so I, I mean, we can sit, I have a couch right here. This is, not a, this is where I see patients. We have an exam room with an exam table, but this is where we see people and uh, allowing them to open up and feel comfortable meant a lot to me, you know? And so I didn't, sure, I, I you know, population health and all those things, yeah, well, that's baked into our practice, but um, it's not, uh, hey, you need an MRI, sorry, insurance won't cover it, so we're not going to do it. It's, hey, let's figure out the best way. We have the bandwidth um, to be able to support the patients that need it most. Well, you know, one thing that, hey, thank you for that, and and thank you for, being independent. I, I think one of the one of the issues we have with medicine, and in fact, I'm sure you've heard it in your circles, is that doctors need to take back medicine, period. I mean, 30, 25 or 30 years ago, I, I mean, even 20 years ago, doctors were in charge. There were no people, like you said, with suits across the table that were non-medical, you know, non-medical doctors telling you what to do. The doctors, they called the shots. I mean, they told administrators what to do all the time. Um, and it wasn't until the last, you know, 15, 20 years that it had flipped around. And, you know, I think a generation or plus ago, doctors went to med school because they were independent people. They weren't yes to people. And I think, unfortunately, now is that a lot of the ways that they are, a lot of the doctors that go into medical school are, are yes people. And I think in some ways, Brad, Dr. Brown, is the system likes it that way. Can you comment on that? Sean, we've talked about this before. You're asking me to get on my soapbox and I got to... <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's... The system, is, people describe it as broken or whatever. The system is exactly what in health insurance companies want it to be right now. Vague, opaque, no one really knows what's going on. It's a third-party system, but is it really... Um, you know, very political, uh, which we'll leave for another day, but it, it's exactly, the system is exactly what it was built to be right now, um, which is to, is not, not great at all for patients. We're all patients too, you know, um, and as well as healthcare professionals, doctors, pharmacists, you know, uh, everyone in the game. And so it's, it's extremely frustrating to have that red, those red tape handcuffs, Um, and so to find ways to be the change that you want to be is kind of what the whole direct primary care movement is. 
we there's a saying that you know once you've seen one DPC, you've seen one TP, DPC is because we all kind of have our own flavor. Um, it's basically letting the consumer vote with their dollar of hey, this doctor over here has this price, and I really I really connect with that person, whereas I don't connect with Doctor Brown, you know, so I'm going to go over here and vice versa. It's a uh, um, okay off the soapbox. I have to slow down. No, no, go. <laughs> That's why we have yawn. No, it's. Um, it's the system is, is doing what it has been built to do. Um, and so the healthcare professionals are, um, I hate to play the victim card, but you know, I know fantastic physicians and pharmacists and PAs and MPs and nurses and everyone who are uh, stuck in the hamster wheel of the system. It's not like they don't give, it's not like I give better care to my patients in DPC because those physicians are fantastic as well. You know, I just have the time and the bandwidth and I've removed the, um, well, not I. Direct primary care removes the um, the adverse incentives of bringing people in as much as you can, so you can bill every time they come in. You can bill insurance, or um, you know, uh, okay, I can go off forever, but you get the point. So yeah. Um, <laughs> well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I think one of the things that. Um, a DPC doctor actually said, and I think it was on our podcast one time, um, he said in order to change the system, he felt like he had to get out of the system. And I think that's essentially what DPC doctors have done or pharmacists like ourselves. I honestly, I just, and, and, you know, call me negative, call me pessimistic, but, you know, these doctors, these pharmacists, and, and I follow some of them on social media that are trying to change the system and change the way PBMs work and the way insurance companies work, it ain't going to happen. It's just, they're a couple commas short on their funding. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's not going to happen. So the only way to do it is to get out of the system. That's the way to change the system. Is well, you, can't change, system. you can't change anything if you think the same way that of how it was created. You got to think differently, you know, and I'm just riding that wave. Right. Well, I, I will say this, you know, from my own personal journey, Dr. Brown, one of the things that's so encouraging and it happened just today, like a few hours ago, we had a client that came in and he's seen somebody with direct primary care and he's lost weight. He's off of all his diabetic medication. He has a regular, I mean, he looks amazing. And you know what? You can tell and he's telling everybody. And that's that's the outcome I wanted when I graduated from school is that I wanted to see that person turn around and make a better choice for himself and how it impacts him and the life of his family, kids, his neighbors, his coworkers. I mean, that's what it was all about, right? It wasn't like, oh, here's another prescription to take care of that side effect that you're having. I mean, we wanted to see impacts in somebody's health choices. And when you have three minutes as a prescriber or a doctor, mm-hmm. yeah. Logically, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, I mean, the only thing you can do is prescribe. You can't well, really talk about you right. know, lifestyle modifications, but, which is the way that it's what they the system likes. Big right. pharma and insurance companies right. love those five-minute visits oh, yeah. because the only thing you have time to do is prescribe something. But opening the door to a DPC and giving that client the availability of your knowledge and your time, I mean, his outcome... It, and then, right? And then you know you have somebody else in the community that's going to be affected too, because people that have good outcomes, you know, they're sharing. They're like, "Hey, go to these people. They know what they're doing. They're, you know, they have time to." Yeah. And I feel like 
the reason I'm so impassioned about this is because I hear this a lot. Well, people aren't going to change. We, you know, people aren't going to. And I'm like, how do you know? That's a cop out. I, I think know? that's a cop out for a lazy pharmacist, for a lazy doctor. Thinking, oh, people aren't going to change their lifestyle. That's that's you a lazy. Oh, you're just old. It's like that's yeah, right. We we hear that all the time. Right? That answer. Oh, I'm just getting old. No, I'm sorry. That's not. That is not. No, not it. No. But no, we here. One of the mantras that we kind of have fallen into that we didn't set out to have. It's not like this is one of our pillars here at Strive. Is sure. It, it's really really challenging to change the world, especially kind of just you know in the small setting like this. But we feel, we feel like we're changing the world for each patient. We're changing their right, world, right. you know, and that's kind of something that has just happened. We didn't, that wasn't like our, our, you know, mission statement, but we've really seen it. We've seen outcomes like that too, Jan, where it's like, that is what gets us up in the morning. You know, I, mean, right? I only live a mile, 1.3 miles from here. And I was walking in today and I was just amped, you know, I'm like, this is great. I cannot wait to hear what people have to say today on Monday morning. So, well, and, and speaking of that, I mean, it is obvious, Dr. Brown, how you are passionate about what you do. And I will tell you, most DPC doctors are, they're, they're very happy. I, I would say all of them are, honestly, I know all's a strong word, but, um, you just don't see doctors that have the passion in the traditional medical system because they, you know, they, they really don't have a lot of control over their own work environment. Yeah. So, you know, they don't have the passion. That's a problem. I mean, do you really want a doctor taking care of you that doesn't really care about their job? Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, not even maybe. So that's one thing I noticed right away. And I was going to say, say that it's obvious that you that you are having fun doing what you're doing. And we should. You know, we should have a passion for what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And we built this space from the ground up and I'm six, seven, six, eight with shoes on. Um, <laughs> we, have, we have eight foot doors and 12 foot ceilings. And so I can't not love coming here for crying out loud. <laughs> sure. Patient care is great, but I can actually stand up straight in my own clinic. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> so um, tell us, uh, you've only been at it for four months, at least you know, since you've been out of school, but tell us a story. You know, Janet just shared a story. Tell us a story, how you have changed somebody's, changed somebody's world. Like you talked about over the last four months. Sure. Um, let's see. So one family comes to mind. They have a few kids all, I think there's five or six or seven of them under the age of 10 or 11. It's a big family. I grew up in a similar family. So they have a special, um, spot in my heart. They were headed downtown for a like a Disney on ice type thing. Um, they, the kids were pumped. They'd been waiting for months to this. And, uh, I think it was a Friday afternoon and I get a text from the mom saying, Hey, our youngest, just, uh, there's a Lego stuck up their nose, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, meet me at the clinic, you know, cause I was, I was, I was already home. I said, meet me at the clinic. We'll get rid of it. No problem. Um, so on their way to the Disney on ice, they swing by the clinic. Um, we, we pop it out real quick and all the kids stayed in the car. Just a mom came in with the, the youngest. Um, and then they went on their way. Um, and in my mind, I'm like, usually they'd get turf to urgent care. It'd be a couple hours waiting. You know, that's a small thing. Sure. They didn't lose a ton of weight. Sure. They didn't get off all their meds, but it's like that type of thing is why I love this is because it's, it's medicine and primary care for, uh, our, the life of the, our life today, you know, I just need a quick Lego out of my nose for crying out loud. I don't want to go yeah. sit at the children's hospital for six hours, you know? Yeah. Um, and so 
Uh, I loved that. And obviously they loved it too. They're very, um, very grateful, but well, let, they would have missed Disney on ice right. for sure. Yeah. No doubt. And, 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 and let, let's just be really honest, Dr. Brown, it would have been an eight to 12 hour adventure. I, I mean, yeah. seriously, it, it probably would have maybe an urgent care. No, but if it was later at night, ER for sure. Definitely. And let's talk about price. Mm. At least a thousand dollars in the urgent care, and and we have no idea because there's no transparency, no. and there's all these surprises. Yeah. But tell us what your fees are for direct primary care and how that was covered under that. Sure. So we have it age based tiers. Um, forty five and above is one hundred five dollars a month. Um, eighteen to forty four is eighty five dollars a month, and then younger than eighteen is only forty bucks a month. And so. It was, that was all covered. We have unrestricted access. It was whatever you need. You just swing by. They came by. It was a free Lego removal, um, all included. I should put that on my website, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, no, so it was, uh, yeah, it's all, I mean, text calls, emails, FaceTime, uh, you know, whatever they need. Um, and I actually did have a mom the other day email me a picture of her son's a seven-year-old's arm that was kind of like shaped like a, I don't know, it was crooked. I, I was like, hey, you know, that's a little more urgent. You should probably call for that one. But she's like, well, I didn't want to disturb. Patients <laughs> are extremely respectful of our time, you know, and it almost right. up to a fall. I said, hey, that's one of the times you should probably just call me. Uh, you, you know why that is? So we, we feel that way about our patients too. And when we have um, um, team members come from, you know, another XYZ pharmacy, they'll, they'll, say about how nice our patients are and how our patients are different. Well, we come from the same area, right? Yeah. So, but you know what's different? It's a, it's how we treat them. We respect their time yeah. and they respect our time. Real- and honestly, if the doctor's only going to give you three minutes of time, do you expect them to respect you? I mean, ser- seriously. I mean, you have a comment on that? That's a great point. I mean, it's a, uh you give a mouse a cookie, you know, I mean, you give someone just a little bit and if they know that's all they're going to get, they're going to take as much as possible. Um, Right. But if they know they have unrestricted access, they're like, Hey, I'll just text you when I need you. You know, I I love that. And that's the first question. I'm sure you've heard it too, is oh, from other healthcare professionals wanting to do a direct care type of model um, is, Oh, what about being on call 24 seven? It's like, well, yeah, technically, but in the 18 months that I've technically been open, you know, I've had maybe one call between the hours of 8 p.m. and 8 a.m., you know, and it's like it was at 730 in the morning, for goodness sakes. And so and, very and, and you're right. And your colleagues that work at big corporate clinics, um, I know that it, things are a lot different with hospitalists and stuff now. But um, how often do those family practice doctors get call um, when they're on call at those big corporate clinics? All the time. All night, every every night, uh, all night long. They just don't get sleep. Floor. They don't right. sleep. Ringing. Yeah, yeah. Met yeah. woman refills at three in the morning. Just kill me. I don't understand. <laughs> right, right. But you know, mm. people know they can get directly to a doctor when they call after hours. So in my mind, it's like, why not do it during hours? For crying out loud. Yeah, exactly. So you're in your entrepreneurial spirit and help with your brother, who must be an entrepreneur also, yeah. you wanted to kind of develop your own software for DPC, correct? Sure, yeah. Um, and, and you did and you did just that. 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the last four years in a nutshell, right there. We did just that. All right. Um, no, we. Uh, my brother and my wife actually. She's in. She has her MBA and she kind of runs the whole thing. But it's called Aero DPC. A E R O DPC. Um, we're all cyclists, and so we went with the aerodynamic theme, but also <laughs> also to make um, your your practice workflows more aerodynamic. I guess yeah. it's pretty lame, but we went with it anyway. Um, and, uh, yeah, so in med school and I was rotating with that same doc, he was using a well-known system. And in my mind, I was like, there's just gotta be a better way. You know, I mean, it's really simple. He already had outgrown it. And so it, the seed was planted. I talked to my brother, he was a senior level engineer at Amazon for a long time. Um, but he's been working on arrow for two and a half years full time now. Um, and it's taken off like a rocket. We have, we have uh, quite a few new practices every week that sign up. Um, it's, a uh, it's a wild ride. It's kind of our, our thing is everything a DPC doctor needs in one integrative platform. So the whole tech stack is all in one tab on your, on your browser. You don't have to sign into 20 different things. Um, and that has been, I mean, med school and residency was a learning curve, but learning like coding and everything, I don't know how to code, but just listening to him talk and my <laughs> wife, it's like, well, I'm, being a doctor is easy compared to the other. <laughs> I, I, I still don't understand the coding thing. Yeah. I understand pharmacy, but I do not understand the coding thing. It is like another language, literally. I mean, yeah. it's like seven different languages all the way. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, a, I'm a really proud human. Like, you know, I can come across pretty prideful sometimes, but because I'm, I, I feel like I'm a really smart person, even though I'm not. But whenever I start hearing about, code and all everything that goes into it my brain just <laughs> stops like the cogs just get clogged i'm like okay right. whatever, whatever you think is best let's do it yeah mm. so what sets aero dpc apart you feel uh now you're asking for my biased answers um <laughs> so yeah everything all in one um there's uh, the rest of the systems out there do one thing or a couple things um, but we have all the emr capabilities Billing, inventory management, faxing, texting, phone calls, all the electronic forms, everything is all rolled into one, e-prescribing as well. And it's not nickel and dimed. It's all at a rock bottom price, um, which is very startup friendly. So we have a lot of new practices that use us. Um, and so we we kind of set ourselves apart to where you don't you don't need 20 logins. It's just all in one, it's all here. When you get a fax, there bi-directional labs. It's there e-prescribing. It's there. Um, it's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, been fun. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Is it the only uh, software out there that you know of that was actually D- that was designed by a DPC doc for DPC? Um, so Atlas with Josh Umber, he designed his, and he's a DPC okay. doc. Very, he's yep. very well known. He's done fantastic things for the DPC community. Yes, he has. Um, I've heard him talk quite a few times, and early on in my journey, that's he kind of inspired me to actually go for it. Um, but he built Atlas, um, and they have uh, theirs that um, was built by him as well. But the other ones were are either retrofitted into DPC or only do one, like one piece of what a doctor needs. So just communication or just billing or just EMR. Um, so we're like, there's a space here that we can combine everything and do it all in one. And then of course, I'm assuming that there's a mobile app for Aero DPC so you can control it all on your phone, correct? Uh, not one you can download from the app store. It's uh, all browser-based so you can access Oh yeah, okay, right. Yeah. 
Um, and so patients have a portal, me as a physician, my wife and I went on an anniversary trip to Cancun a month or so ago. And I was responding to, to, to patients on, you know, from the beach. It was fantastic. I shouldn't yeah. have, I know, but I did anyway, just to say that I did it. Um, <laughs> right. There's uh, a picture, you know, of my feet with the beach out there. Just like, <laughs> the doctor's great. I'm on the beach. But, uh, um, then Sarah, Dr. Schuster, she texted me or right after she's like, why are you responding? I'm like, well, I had to, I just had to at least once, but, um, yeah, you can access from anywhere. Patients have a portal. Um, it's all browser based. There's nothing you have to download on your computer and everything. That That's actually kind of nice when, when things are browser based and, you know, web based okay. instead of app based. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell us about your DPC. Every DPC, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit about, you didn't say free market, but how people have choices with DPC. It's like, well, this one doesn't fit me. This one does for whatever reason. And I mean, it is, we've interviewed DPC, probably met or interviewed hundreds of them from around the nation. And they're, they're, the coolest thing is that they are also different. The pricing is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it because that's what really happens in a free market. You kind of have a la carte. It's like you decide what you want to pay for. Um, in a traditional system, we could talk about that, but you don't get to decide at all. I mean, it's a drop it's, down it's, on an insurance menu. Yeah, right. It's yeah. it's 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 an insurance is deciding it. So, what kind of you probably didn't set out to do this, but what kind of set you guys set, uh, apart? Is it is it? Uh, um, young families or, you know, internal medicine type stuff or, or what kind of set you guys apart? That's a great question. And I mean, we're still young in the game too. So we're still trying to, to hone in on that. But Sarah and I were both, uh, we like the full spectrum of family medicine, the womb to tomb, as they say. Um, and so we like all ages. We like the acute things. Both of us kind of do some locums work out on the Eastern plains of Colorado, kind of in the ER uh, realm. And so we, it's, we tell our patients, Hey, we're, we're ER docs as well. And so whenever we say, Hey, this needs to be seen in the ER, they trust us instead of Friday afternoon at 6 PM, you have a leg up your nose, you're getting turf to urgent care. You know, um, it's a, Hey, we can take care of a lot of the things here. We're trained. We have that skill set, And if it's outside of our scope, we can, we can, they trust us to say, Hey, this needs to be in the ER. Um, but we have integrative medicine training as well. Both of us, uh, Sarah does a lot of women's health. Um, I do too, but our demographic is, is generally young and healthy, um, in the, in the town that we're in. And so, um, we've, I've found it's quite interesting. It's totally off topic. So just tell me to shut up whenever, but usually the women under the age of 40 to 45 have, are requesting a female physician for women's health or over 40 to 45 or like, eh, it doesn't matter at all. Um, and so our demographic skews a little bit younger, um, and so they, they go to Sarah for all the women's health. Um, and then, uh, I, I do a lot of sports medicine and, and things like that, being, being a triathlete and, and, and endurance athlete. So we get kind of that as well, but, um, it, the small business scene in the town right in Erie, Colorado is fantastic. And so we have a lot of small businesses that, that use us as well. It's, it's, uh, we're kind of jack of all trades. That's awesome. That's awesome. So back on the topic of women's health. Yeah. So my grandma who passed away a few years ago um, in her 90s, um, short after I got out of pharmacy school, we were talking about women's health stuff and she was having some issues. And and um, she, you know, so she was born in the 20s, I guess, probably. And um, she actually um, refused to let a woman... It's interesting. Women's health, yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Because back in that generation, it's like, no, you don't, <laughs> that's not what you do. You have a male doctor. So she was just used to that. So she was very uncomfortable when, when, um, she had a, a, a woman gynecologist. And to that end, I, during residency, we would see a lot of the underserved population in the clinic, right? It was basically a safety net clinic. And I, i kind of took it upon myself. I always wanted to offer that to women because a lot of women who maybe English is not their first language or if they're you know living below the poverty line, if they're here, you know, they just need a quick visit. They don't know what their choices are. And so I would always make it a point like, Hey, if you prefer a female physician, there is no harm, no foul. We're still friends. That, yeah. That's kind of like a small vendetta of mine to be like, Hey, you have a choice, you know, you can, you can speak up for your own health, especially women's health. You know, I mean, that's something that can be very personal. It's very, very personal. personal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. want to be this tall six, seven white male that comes in and says, Hey, you need this. That's why I never wear a white coat because Hey, I have a deep voice. B I'm a white male. And C it's very paternalistic, you know? Um, uh, and so I wanted to give women that option of, Hey, if you want a female position, there's one three steps away that we'd be more than happy to do your pap smear more than happy to do your breast exam. Um, and it would be, if it, it's, it's, uh, it goes back to the whole consumer experience, you know, I mean, we're all consumers when it comes to our doctors, just like going to the mechanic. And so you want to have the best experience possible. Yeah. We do the same thing at our pharmacy. We do a lot of women's health stuff and mm-hmm. men's health. And, um, you know, when I'm talking to a woman, I'll say, it's like, look, my wife's pharmacist also, if you would rather talk to her, you know, that would be, you know, it would, it's not going to hurt my feelings at all. Yeah, exactly. And my, my wife will do the same thing with guys sometimes because they won't open up to the same things to her as they will to me. So, you know, we, we like to give them that option. Absolutely. So one thing you talked about being, you did, do you do a little bit of sports medicine because you're an athlete yourself, which I love that. I think, uh, one of the big issues with our healthcare system, it's not a big issue, but I think it is an issue is that, um, in general, healthcare providers are not healthy people. Um, you know, I mean, I just, I, I make a, this is not a joke. This is true. I mean, if you don't believe that, go to your local hospital and, and go eat lunch there sometime and look at all the people that are eating lunch in scrubs. So you, they're probably working with a hospital and they're morbidly obese. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just bad. It's bad for our patients. So kudos to you for being in good shape. I think we need, it, it, we can't, you know, we can't educate our patients appropriately about lifestyle choices if we're not making good choices ourselves, right? I agree. And I think it's, we've already touched on it. It's the system. They, like the normal family doc sees 25 to 30 patients a day, and then they have to chart all night. So how in the world do they have time to work out? You know, right. I mean, it's just yeah. the same with nurses. I mean, they work their three or four 12 hour shifts and then they take the other three or four days to recover for crying out loud, you know? Right. It's, right. And pharmacists. So it's, it's, yeah. Well, and, and I also I also think this too. I think, um, you know, in a, in a true free market, I'm a free market guy. I, I'll hit that. Yep, I'll hit that over and over again. And I'll, I'll use some examples of that. It's like, um, so if patients actually chose, like 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 choose, people have to choose to go to you. Oh yeah. Um, they they're not told to go there by an insurance company. So let's say there is an athlete like myself, and I've got which I've had before. I had a, 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 a tendon, a, um, my Achilles tendon from pedaling wrong. Sure. Um, well, if I went to a doctor and you know, he was 100 pounds overweight, I, I, there's no way. I mean, there was no way I would choose that guy. Yeah. I would choose somebody like yourself say, oh, well, you know about bikes. Okay, so help me out. Because I don't want some doctor to just prescribe biking or ibuprofen and say, ah, yeah, it'll get better. Yeah, maybe it's my sure. pedal stroke or whatever. So 
we would pick people depending on, you know, um, we would grab depending on how they could help us. Mm-hmm. It's and I, I always use this analogy. In fact, I use it in my book called Sickened: How the Government Ruined Healthcare. Fantastic book, by the way. If anyone, <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I use it. Would Would you ever choose to go to a dentist with with crooked yellow teeth? Yeah. No. <laughs> The answer is no. I mean, so why would you choose a doctor that is not metabolically healthy? I mean, those are just, and I'm, it's it's not a personal issue. It's just those are. I'm actually, it's kind of a challenge to us healthcare professionals to to take better care of ourselves because if we can't take care of ourselves, how are we going to take care of our patients? Practice what you preach. Yeah. Right. Hundred percent agree. So as we wrap this podcast up. I'm, I, I usually ask what you have a passion for, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that you have a passion for gravel racing on a bike so we can talk about it. Sure, let's do it. Because <laughs> you just bought a gravel bike. And I, uh, I'm a Trek fan, although Specialized makes great bikes and their Roubaix is an awesome bike. Way overpriced, uh, but I pay it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And um, so tell us, uh, you're... you're you're, you used to be a road a road racer, like road racing, or just competitive. Uh, not, I wasn't ever ranked or in the cast system or anything. But I, I, I mean, you know, casually, yes, yeah, on yeah. the road. And now you got a gravel bike. So if you had to pick mm-hmm. one gravel race that is kind of like on your bucket list, what would it be? That's a good question. Uh, sheesh. There's just so many. I'm just so new in the gravel scene that I kind of want to do them all. <laughs> right. I get I've it. I've kind of done all the main road ones, all the amateur road ones. Um, and I've dabbled in the Ironman series as well. And so I don't know. What would you say is the best one? Well, they, they just changed the name. I can't remember what it's called, but it's part of the Grand Prix series. Um, it used to be called Dirty Kansas in Kansas. Oh, yeah. Yep. It, it's by it's by far, but but because it's politically incorrect, they changed that name. Whatever, yeah. Um, it's by far and away like the biggest gravel race in the nation. Nice, and they have a 125 miler, which would be more my more speed. I don't like them more than five or six hours. Yeah, um, but they also have a 250, and people are finishing in. You know, some of those guys finish in like 10 hours, 250 miles in 10 hours. Yeah, it's like, ridiculous. or less or something. It's crazy. Yeah. But um, that would be mine. Um, I've done some really cool ones. I mean, but as you can imagine, Washington being in the Pacific Northwest and the Cascades, we've got some cool ones up here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's one. It goes around Rainier too. I've heard one that goes around Rainier. Yeah, Ramrod. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's all it's all paved though. Is it? Okay. Ramrod is all paved. But Winthrop is a good one. It's about ninety miles, and it's uh, ninety miles. And is it eighty or ninety? I can't remember. But fifteen thousand feet of climbing. That's a mostly yeah, yeah, mostly on gravel slash fire roads. So uh, yeah, we'll do it next year. How about that? <laughs> yeah, but in your area, you could do the Leadville. I mean, there's people who do the Leadville. That's more of a mountain bike race. Oh, but the fastest guys do it on um, unless they're sponsored by mountain bikes. They they do it on gravel bikes because it's it's pretty it's 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 mostly double track from what I heard. Yeah, the guy who won it last year, he had a road tire on his rear wheel, and I'm just like, I don't know. I have too much to live for. I can't. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But no, and, I, and my wife and I were big into trail running too, and so we're still trying to figure out some good amateur trail races. Um, and we're, I mean, the Leadville one, the Hard Rock, those are just like insane. I mean, 30,000 feet of climbing for a run, for crying out loud, is just... I know, right? I, that, is, that just is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Just to see how far you can push your kidneys. 
Right, right. All right, Dr. Brown, you have helped us realize our goal today of educating and empowering individuals to take charge of their own health. Um, So if somebody wants to get a hold of you and has questions, what's the best way to do that? Best way is hop on the website, strivedirecthealth.com. It has all the contact info. You can message us. You can hop on the Facebook page, Strive Direct Health, Instagram. We're pretty reachable by any of the means. So just Google us and uh, we're here. Sounds good. I so appreciate you. So thank you for being on today. Thank Thank you, you. listeners and viewers, for tuning in. You've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Thursday, 8 to 9 a.m. We will have – I'm not sure who we have. Let me check really quick. Um, uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. We have a doctor on that's going to be talking about interstitial cystitis. He's a naturopath and how to and how to fix that. And that's a very difficult disease to fix. So you want, you want to tune into that, especially any women that have had interstitial cystitis. So if you don't have anybody, share this so you can um, have them tune in. Thank you for listening and tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham.